the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferrets Tove, financial literacy educator and speaker, entrepreneur, and chairman of the board of a bank in formation. Take charge of your financial future with Your Personal Bank. Now here's Ferrets Tove. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show, and today we have a very special guest, and uh, I've, I've invited back Blake Masters, candidate for U.S. Senate for Arizona. Uh, Blake, welcome to the show. It is so awesome to be back. I can't believe it was six months. I know, I know. Last time, parents. Yeah, yeah. We were just talking about that, and and six. By the way, folks, if you didn't, if you didn't, or if you heard that interview, or if you didn't, I'm going to really encourage you to go to yourpersonalbank.com. Interviewed uh, Blake back in January of 2022 is when it aired, and I actually invited Blake onto the show. And many people ask me why. I'm just share this real quick, and then we'll get into your positions and stuff, Blake. They're like, you're a financial show. Why are you inviting a politician or, you know, all that kind of stuff? And as I always say, freedom, economic freedom is, is part of our freedoms. And no question in the last couple of years, our government has impacted our economic uh, way of life in many big ways. So nobody can argue that. So I saw your positions, Blake. I thought they were bold, got my attention. That's why I invited you to the show. So I was on uh, mute there accidentally. No, uh, thank you so much. It's uh, awesome to be back. Absolutely. So uh, for those that maybe didn't hear the previous interview or, or, or who you are, you know, if you might don't mind, give us a quick rundown. What are your key positions, Blake? Well, you know, I'm running on uh, on an America first agenda, you know, and we can talk in detail about what that means. But it's astonishing that very few politicians even are willing to say that they're not even willing to say No, I'm explicitly about trying to make this country better, about trying to put America and Americans and Arizonans first. And and that's what I mean. I mean, we need to make this country safe again. Crime is skyrocketing under Joe Biden. There's lawlessness at the southern border, Um, you know, geopolitical instability around the world because people look at this White House and they see nothing but weakness. It's really dangerous. So we need to make America safe again. Uh, We need prosperity. We need to make America rich again. Right. Um, our economy. I, look, we're about to get uh, Q2 numbers here at the end of July. Right. I expect it to show negative GDP growth and we will officially be in a recession, a recession that I believe that Joe Biden and Mark Kelly caused. And, you know, there's um, just massive inflation. They say it's eight point five percent. No, I think in the greater Phoenix metro, it's about 20 or 30 percent. So this economy is just not working. And uh, we need to do so much better. It starts with re-implementing so many of President Trump's America First economic policies. We'll talk about all that. Uh, We also just need to make America free again, right? Make Arizona free again. And this is where um, I'm just astonished at how, uh, you know, what I view as the political left, the far left, they're coming for our rights, constitutional rights, First Amendment right to free speech, Second Amendment right to own and use firearms in defense of yourself and your community and your country. coming for religious freedoms, right? Uh, there's an election integrity problem, a problem with this woke ideology 
that's that's infecting all these institutions and trying to forcibly change the way people think. So we have a lot of problems, but those are the buckets I'd sort them into. Um, make make this place safe, uh, prosperous again. Absolutely, and, and and folks, if you were listening and you've listened to the show any period of time, you know I make no bones about where my beliefs and political positions are agree with them or disagree but i think you can see why i invited blake to the show and then the second reason and then we'll get into some of this like we said is um you know i've been asked by many candidates uh, of course who wanted to be on the show and because i've i have listeners literally and clients all over the country i want to keep more of a national focus not that i don't agree with these candidates but i didn't want to get into a lot of the local politics but blake i believe you're your seat that you're running for is probably one of the top couple, maybe this one in Georgia, that are probably the most vulnerable seats to flip the control of the Senate, which is a national issue. You know, so, well, yeah. so it, it is a national issue. Uh, yes. you know, I'll be absolutely, you know, representing Arizonans. That's mm-hmm. my job sure. uh, to get to D.C. and represent Arizona. You know, and yet everybody knows this. We are uh, in, in the U.S. Senate. You're voting on national issues. You're voting on federal law. Right. And, um, you know, the 51st vote. And, and, and you can't draw a line back to the Senate majority without going through Arizona. So, look, I'm biased, you know, because I'm running here in Arizona. But I actually think this Arizona Senate race is probably the most important U.S. Senate race that we have this fall. It's going to determine the future of this country. Absolutely. I agree with you completely on that. And so a little bit more update since, you know, interestingly, when uh, we talked six months ago and, you know, I said to a lot of people, you know, I'm interviewing Blake Masters and a lot of people are like, huh, huh? who's that? But I got to tell you, Blake, in the last few months, I mentioned that I'm going to be interviewing Blake again. It seems like people know who you are. So kudos to your efforts. Something's working. Yeah, and we can talk about that. But we see it in the polls. We see it anecdotally, right? Um, people mm-hmm. are people are really starting to pay attention and, and realize just how important this race is and um, that I'm the front runner in it. Yeah, absolutely. And congratulations on that. Of course, you've gotten some major endorsements. Probably the the biggest one is that I saw you got the Trump endorsement recently. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, Josh Hawley was another one. Tucker Carlson. Uh, you've gotten some uh, some Peter Thiel, of course. So you've gotten some uh, major high profile endorsements. So, again, that's awesome. What uh, you know, since we spoke six months ago, what what is some of the things that are new or you think is of key importance now going forward? Well, it's inflation. You know, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it just didn't was a problem, you know, last time we spoke, but it's just gotten worse and worse. Right. And. You know, I think when when you and I spoke uh, six months ago, you know, the Democrats were still saying, "Hey, don't worry about this." You know, <laughs> this is sector specific, transitory. It to do with it's transitory, <laughs> right? Come on, get over it. It's transitory, and it's like, I mean, I was just driving uh, outside of Phoenix the other day, and I saw unleaded gasoline was six dollars mm. here in Arizona, and it's you know, and and it's it's been high for a while. It's gotten worse. Uh, this year, it's, it's clearly not transitory. It's clearly not sector specific. It's not, as Mark Kelly says, because all the greedy businessmen decided to get together. Crisis. No, this is from the Democrats' failed economic policy. And what do they think was going to happen? You know, they just keep printing so much money, trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars that we don't have, sending forty billion 
that we don't have to the Ukraine. You know, and we can talk more about that and geopolitical uh, reasons why it's not such a good idea. But it, it's also not like we have the $40 billion. You know, it's not right. like there was a surplus. What? And, hey, we have 40 extra billion, and should we send it to U.S. military veterans who, who need help over here, or should we send it to Ukrainians over here? No, they printed that money out of thin air, and it just compounds this massive inflation problem that they caused. Well, I think the biggest frustration with all that, too, is is forget whether the Ukraine border war is important or not to our, our interests, but the, rap, the speed that they said, oh, okay, we're going to protect the Ukrainian border, but yet do nothing about our own. That's right. Yeah, and look, it's this, it's this really elementary sense of justice. That is unfair. You have politicians in office who care more about what's going on halfway around the world than they do right here at home. And this is why I'm serious about, uh, to me, it's not just a slogan, right? America first. Mm-hmm. The Ukraine border with Russia, you know, might be very important. However important it is, you could debate that. Uh, it is nowhere near as important to Arizonans, to Americans, as having a functional and safe border with Mexico. And our politicians, too many of them, even in the Republican Party, yep. right, but especially the Democrats in charge, I mean, Joe, Joe Biden's eviscerated this border. He's demolished our own national sovereignty. He's ceded the whole southwest border zone to the cartels. You know, a lot of people compare Joe Biden to Jimmy Carter. And <laughs> I actually think, you know, that continues to be really unfair to Jimmy Carter, right, <laughs> who looks more like JFK at this point. Don't get me wrong. Jimmy Carter was bad and right. incompetent and pursuing all these failed left-wing policies. But I think he tried. I think he was trying and failing. Biden's not even trying. And that would be bad enough if he were trying and failing. He threw open the southern border, invites millions of people to come here. He manufactured this border crisis. And then they want to tell us that the most important thing is Ukraine. They're just out of touch, and we got to send them home. I'm in complete agreement. I'm in complete agreement on that. So talk to me more about this Make America Prosperous again. I find that interesting, particularly the financial show. Yeah, well, I mean, it's very interesting that, you know, not so long ago, we had an economy that was working quite well. Um, you know, right before the COVID uh, thing hit and President Trump was in the Oval Office, and people kind of forget this, but we had this, you know, economic miracle happening. Things were booming. And it wasn't just abstract, you know, statistics like GDP uh, that was up. You know, that that's very important. I know it's easy enough to measure, and so economists have a bias to measuring that. But, you know, families in this country were doing better. It was getting easier, not harder, to raise a family, to start a family in this country. Uh, under President Trump, for the first time in a long time, in decades, median wages, right, that's the actual amount of money that workers take home in America, were going up. You know, nominal incomes go up every year because the government prints so much money. So mm-hmm. it always seems like your paycheck is bigger, even though it's not with purchasing power, right? right. Uh, and, and household incomes had gone up. Uh, in the 90s and 2000s and whatnot, but but really mostly because most households found to just make ends meet, right, to keep up with the rising costs of health care, education, housing. Most households found that they had to throw a second worker into the workforce, you know, or work multiple jobs just to make ends meet. And so it wasn't actual purchasing power uh, that was going up until President Trump and his America First economy. I think it's, yeah, it's pro-business economy, generally pro-market policies. But mm-hmm. Trump is also wise enough to know, no, there's no such thing as free trade with China. You know, for decades, I think our, our failed uh, bipartisan elites, Republican and Democrat alike, had been pursuing this mindless free trade policy with China. Well, 
China's a communist dictatorship. You know, there's no free trade with China. They've always got their thumb on the scale. They dump steel. They subsidize their domestic industry. And we just get taken advantage of. And so President Trump insisted on fair trade deals. And sometimes you have to have sharp elbows. And he threw those tariffs on, on you know, Chinese steel, for instance, in 2018. And, um, and it worked. Got and their so attention. Generally, yeah, it got their attention, right? And, and, and finally, there was some corrective to the system. And so, look, his economy was great for businesses. It was great for workers. It was great for families. And it's night and day. It was actually, yeah, wage and Biden. Yeah, you said buying power or whatever wages. Actually, buying power increased across the spectrum, all all levels of society. That's right. I literally, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, there's always individual cases may differ, but like Mm -hmm. in the aggregate, there's no demographic of Americans that wasn't doing better under President Trump. Yeah, it was just amazing. The the left hates the left hates to admit that, but sorry, facts are facts, and Joe Biden has thrown the economy into a dumpster fire. And and, uh, and it's amazing. It really wasn't that long ago and how we forget, like you said. So uh, I'm going to uh, folks, I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned in the next segments because we got Blake with us all day today on the show. So pretty going to be exciting. We're going to be asking Blake some more questions about what he's going to do and some more things uh, if he gets elected to the U.S. Senate. So um, stay tuned. And if you miss this show or if you want additional information on how to navigate, as I say, this economic chaos, Contact me at yourpersonalbank.com. For more information on Your Personal Bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. And uh, we have a very special guest, Blake Masters, uh, with us. He is the U.S. Senate candidate from Arizona. And I invited Blake to join us about six months ago. We're following up with some additional updated information. And one thing I forgot to do in the first segment, my bad, is, Blake, if somebody's interested in getting more information or donating or helping out in your campaign, how can they contact you? Just very simple. Go to BlakeMasters.com. Okay, BlakeMasters.com. That is pretty straightforward, pretty simple. And as we stated, and if you missed it in the first segment, Blake, uh, I believe at this point, is the front runner on the Republican side, hopefully winning uh, the, the uh, Republican primary, again, for U.S. Senate from Arizona. And this is, in my opinion, a national race, I think for most people agree, in terms of control of the U.S. Senate, which is a big deal. Blake and I were sharing a little bit about making America prosperous again. And during the break, I shared an article I saw just very recently. It was the Kansas Democratic Kansas state governor, and she's taking a different tact. I mean, we were hearing from the White House that we're the most prosperous. I want your take on this. Uh, The White House recently stated where this is the most prosperous economy in the U.S. history. What do you think of that, Blake? It's it's um, it's astonishing. The level of propaganda that we're seeing. (laughs) And it's like, do they, do they really think that we're this stupid? I think the answer is they, they do think this. They actually just have contempt for the people uh, that, that they feel so entitled to govern. But, but, man, everybody knows we're in a tough spot. You know, wouldn't it be nice to have leadership that says, hey, guys, we're in a tough spot. Here's how we got here. Stay the course. Here's how we get out. But, no, we have these people in power, and they – they cause all these problems, and then they gaslight us, right? They lie to us. They deny that these problems even exist. Or blame Gas everybody. Six dollars, you know. Well, buy an electric car. Yeah. Or they blame oh, you everybody. Can't, you can't afford to feed your family. 
hmm, that sounds like a you problem, Ferris. This is the greatest yep. economy of all time. I mean, right. what? These people are delusional. Or they blame everybody in the dog catcher, right? Oh, it's Putin. It's Putin's yeah. gas tax, Putin's price hike. Or they try to blame President Trump, even though, no, as discussed, things were humming under President Trump. Things are stagnant and breaking under Biden. Right. Uh, I think voters are way, way, way smarter than the Biden administration thinks. Well, the polls are showing that. Uh, I saw the latest poll. I think it was about 88 percent, I believe, believe uh, of all Americans, uh, believe the country is headed in the wrong direction. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the that's always the key polling question. That's the bellwether question. Mm-hmm. Right track, wrong track. And when 88 percent of people think that things are wrong, but you have propagandists in the White House who can't even admit that there's even any problem at all. Um, you know, I think we're just ready for this emperor has no clothes moment. Right. And, and this is why we're going to have a red wave in November. Absolutely. I, I do believe, though, to give Biden credit, he did say he was going to bring America together. I think he's accomplished that. Eighty eight percent of Americans believe we're heading the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah, he's the real unity candidate, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I don't think that's what he had in mind, of course. But um, but I think this article and I haven't heard anyone else talk about this. So I think that, but I think this gets to the root core of the problems as i was starting to say is the can recently the kansas state governor she took a different tact in the white house and the in the traditional democratic party line she stated that uh recession yeah she believes we're probably already in one and bring it on because we happen to have a surplus something like one and a half billion dollar surplus paid off a bunch of debts okay that's all great almost a trillion dollars in the rainy day fund this is for the state of kansas not a huge state and but there was nothing in the article that said a word about the citizens of, of Kansas or small business or anything. Her entire focus was, well, we have recession. That's fine. We'll be fine. Who cares about anybody else? Isn't that telling? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I haven't seen that piece, but but I'm not shocked at all. This is how so many of these politicians and bureaucrats think. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're all about their own interests and their own power. And, um, man, I've never seen government, you know, in my lifetime so unresponsive to the needs of people and how are actual people doing, how are families doing. Um, these are not questions that most candidates or most policymakers ask. And so, yeah, it's just, I mean, they tell you what they think of us, which is not much. Right. And I, I repeatedly say this. One of the number one responses I get on my show is I state, government has no money. The only money government obtains is either through taxpayers or in the federal government's case, money that they print, which creates inflation, which ends up costing everybody more. But they have no money. They create no jobs. Even a government employee, the money to pay the employee comes from the taxpayer or, or printing of money. They d- so it drives me nuts when a politician states, well, we're creating these jobs. No, you didn't. You don't create any jobs. Small business or business does. That's right. You know, but prior generations understood this well. We taught mm-hmm. it in schools. You know, True. and it's why I always go back to education. It's like we're not teaching our young people how our government is supposed to work. We're not teaching them about the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution or our country's history. Um, probably most eighth graders that graduate today couldn't tell you how many Supreme Court justices there are. Or what is a bicameral legislature? What, what is the House and Senate and how are they different? It's just, you know, and so you get people who just kind of uh, get into government and man maybe they just think that they have absolute power yeah. and it's that's that's literally how the modern progressive left thinks that's what they obsess about and and we're see, we're paying for the consequences of that mentality right now
Right. So, yeah, and I, I remind people we are not a democracy. We're actually a representative republic, and we, we, we elect our representatives to represent us. And so that whole we had a, a, something called a revolutionary war because it was taxation without representation, right? Right. I don't know, but I know a lot of people feel this way. We're kind of feeling the same way today. We feel like we're getting taxed. We're getting all this government, whatever, agenda, we'll put it that way, and no representation. So, Blake, if you get elected to the U.S. Senate, what would you do different? Wow, it's, you know, it's like where to start. Um, <laughs> all right, where I would you start? Think, there you, you go. Know, well, where to, where to start is at the southern border. Okay. Um, it's just on fire right now, and uh, it didn't have to be this way. I always start by, you know, how did we get here? Well, maybe the border wasn't perfect two years ago. Like, gosh, it's always this, you know, kind of crazy situation, and illegal immigration has been a problem for, for a lot longer than just two years. But, but Biden has just poured fuel on a, on, a, on a fire, right? I mean, President Trump had it under control. It was contained. It was the best it had been in decades. And he, he built that wall. You know, it was almost finished. It was working. And so Biden inherited a pretty stable situation. And here's the thing. If he just did nothing, we would be so much better off. All Biden had to do at the southern border was nothing. You could be stupid. You could be lazy, be incompetent, Biden's all of those things. Um, but if you just don't do anything, you know, maybe the problem gets a little bit worse slowly over time. But, man, we'd be so much better off. No, he actively caused this border crisis by reversing President Trump's policies. You get rid of Remain in Mexico. Uh, the first thing Biden did in office, of course, was sign that executive order, halting further construction, completion of the border wall. And then he invited millions of people to come here, often incentivizing them, right, with taxpayer-funded cash payments and hotel rooms in Scottsdale and lawyers. I mean, the Biden administration treats illegal aliens better than American citizens, better than U.S. military veterans. And uh, I, I find that absolutely shameful. So he caused it. We know what to do. We got to triple the size of Border Patrol, give those guys the, the tools and technology that they need. I'm a tech guy, right? I want drones. I want infrared thermal cameras. We can image out. We can map where the cartels have their tunnels. We can blow those tunnels up. Uh, we All the above, right? <laughs> we can do that. But I need you know, to cut you off because we're coming on a hard break. So I'm going to let Blake yep. finish this thought. But if, uh, if you want to like, be with us in the next segment, if you want to help, help in navigating this high-interest rate environment, contact me at yourpersonalbank.com. For more information on Your Personal Bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show, and today we have a special guest, Blake Masters. He is candidate for U.S. Senate from Arizona, and uh, I invited Blake six months ago to join us. He, we had a great interview. I loved his positions. I thought they were bold, and it got my attention, and we've invited Blake to jo uh, join us again and bring us an update on what's going on in his position. So, Blake, uh, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Awesome. Well, if you were with us in the last segment... Uh, I had to cut Blake off because we got on a hard break. He was talking about the border, so I, I want to let you finish your thought process there, Blake. So go ahead. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Well, look, when we take back Congress, when we take back the House and the Senate this fall, right, early next year, we absolutely need to pass a good piece of 
border legislation out of these chambers, right? Triple the size of Border Patrol, get more technology, uh, drones, infrared cameras. We should have eyes and ears on every inch of that border. Uh, we need to finish Trump's wall, you know, mandatory E-Verify. We know what to do. The problem is as soon as we pass that, refer it to Biden's desk. You think Biden's going to sign that? No. Of course he's not, right? And so it'll get easy in January 2025 when we once again inaugurate a strong Republican president. Uh, but 2023 and 2024, you know, Biden's not going to sign the right legislation. Um, and so my job in the Senate will be make Biden's life extremely difficult. He's not going to get a darn thing, nothing, no appointments, no Republican votes at all, unless and until he restarts construction of the border wall. Right. we got to get people in there who know how to play hardball. And that's exactly what I'm going to do, because the correct amount of illegal immigration, of course, is zero. Right. I like that because because uh, yeah, my next question you kind of answered is what you know what can you do okay that Republicans take charge of the House and Senate they got Congress but you still got Biden there what can the Republicans do really effectively for the next couple of years? Yep, we use every ounce of leverage we have. The left does this pretty well actually. You know, mm-hmm. I mean they have a horrible political agenda. It's ghastly, but. But they know how to play hardball. They always say, Republicans, sign this horribly compromised piece of legislation. And if you don't, then we'll shut the government down and we'll blame you. And Republicans usually cave. Well, we can use that tactic against the Democrats, against the far left. And and that's just what we have to do. We can use those two years to make Biden a lame duck, right? block the harmful, destructive Biden agenda, use every leverage point we can to get things like border security done. And we'll use those two years to prepare to play offense. That way we can run the table in January 2025 and actually deliver that America first agenda uh, that, that Arizonans and Americans want. I like that. I like that. So, Blake, you've got some uh, some other candidates that are running for office, the same office as you are. So uh, how do you differ from the uh, from the other candidates? You know, I try not to uh, to talk poorly of other candidates. Um, some are smearing me with millions of dollars in attack ads and. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that stuff works. People don't like it. No. People don't trust it. It's, Republicans shouldn't be attacking each other. I promised my wife I would stay positive uh, <laughs> and not, not run attack ads, not descend to, to those levels, which is why I've stayed laser-focused, positive messaging, right? Uh, so that's one difference right there. And okay. I'm focused on the issues. Uh, I got President Trump's endorsement. I'm out ahead because I think people like that. People like that energy. But that, you know, look, I'm younger. I think I'm frankly, uh, more knowledgeable and substantive on the issues. I'm smarter than many of these guys, and, uh, and I've got more energy. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm the best and boldest on the key issues that matter, and we know what those are, the familiar issues, right? we got to secure the border. Mm-hmm. We have to stop election fraud. We have to get Biden's inflation in check and under control. Um, but I'm also the only candidate, actually one of the only candidates, not just in this race, but nationwide, who's talking about the new and modern threats, right, who deeply understands this stuff. What about big tech? Or what about ESG scores and the sort of uh, wokeification happening to corporate America? Well, Blake, what about Chinese-style uh, social credit scores? I'm talking about these issues, um, and, and no one else even knows what they are. And I have to in interrupt you because there's a lot of listeners that probably don't know what an ESG score, including many members of Congress. And let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, you can basically think as a environmental social governance or something, you know, some mm-hmm. some fake uh, consultant invented phrase basically refers to like a compliance metric that many businesses are being asked or forced to uh to to comply with and you can think of esg as a scorecard for how much is your enterprise complying with the woke left-wing agenda you know and and pretty soon 
uh, you're not going to be able to, to issue loans if you know if if your ESG score is, is high and you know if a certain amount of your executives donated to Donald Trump instead of Joe Biden, well, if your ESG score takes a hit. You know, if you invest in oil and gas instead of left-wing boondoggles like solar and wind, your ESG score takes a hit, right? So it's this way of infecting corporate America with these left-wing values and making everything uh, basically an auxiliary arm of the modern democratic national machine. That's what ESG sort of is, and it's nebulous, but no one's talking about this. And meanwhile, corporate America is just becoming increasingly left-wing, increasingly hostile to the interests of most Americans. It's a huge problem. And I think you hit on something there because I think if there was one, say, negative that I've heard talking to people is the addressing, you know, you are younger, you know, and I believe you're in mid-late 30s. And uh, but I said, I think that's a positive. And I'm going to address that more in the next segment. So I'm going to give you a chance to address that further, uh, Blake. Um, So stay tuned, folks. We've got Blake for the last segment. But if you want help in navigating this chaotic environment, economic environment, contact me at yourpersonalbank.com. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. Today we have a special guest, Blake Masters. He is U.S. Uh, Senate candidate from Arizona. Um, Blake, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. Yeah, so uh, we were in the last segment, we were just touching on something. I think I had mentioned it is, you know, talking to different people about your your campaign run and everything. The only negative that I've really heard from folks who are, you know, undecided voters, right, is is your your age. So I'm going to let you address that. Yeah, I actually, you know, maybe a few people think it's a negative. Actually, most people think it's an overwhelming positive. You know, the Constitution says you have to be 30 years old mm-hmm. to be a United States senator. I'm 35. Right. Uh, I'll be 35 when I win this primary on August 2nd. My birthday is August 5th, so I'll be 36 <laughs> in the general election. And, and look, it's like, look at the age of the founding fathers, man, when they signed the Declaration of Independence. I think Thomas Jefferson was like 33, and he was one of the older ones, you know. And um, look at the average age of the U.S. Senate now, by contrast, mm-hmm. 64 and a half. You know, I mean, retirement age is sort of 65. That's when you're supposed to start thinking about, you know, uh, part-time or, or, you know, enjoying the, the, the golden years. But you've got Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi. Joe Biden was younger than me in the early 1970s when he was first elected to the U.S. Senate. So he gets in there as a young man and stays for 50 years. You know, he just becomes a complete establishment D.C. swamp creature. I don't believe in that. I believe in term limits, absolutely. But, you know, the people running this country, they've been doing it for 40, 50 years. They're out of touch. And, you know, one anecdote I like to point people to is, Remember that hearing where they had Zuckerberg come and testify <laughs> under oath, you know, yes. about the excesses of big tech and whatnot? Right. And, man, I would lo- – what an opportunity that is. Right. Let me uh, – get me in there and let me question Zuckerberg under oath. I want to ask him about the $420 million that he spent allegedly neutrally on election administration. No, we know it's a giant left-wing get-out-the-vote operation. Pretty sure it was illegal. I want to – yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure, you Practices. know, yeah, I watched some of and, that. And some of those senators, oh, my gosh, I, they didn't even know what social media was, much less Facebook. They flub it. They flub the opportunity. Because, look, Zuckerberg, I mean, he's clever. He 
still yeah. slip through your fingers if you don't know what you're doing. And these, you know, some of these older senators, God bless them, but they're pushing 80 years old. They don't know how the internet works. They don't know big tech. And so they fail even at the most basic level of having the right vocabulary. They don't know what they're talking about. And so Facebook's stock price goes up after these hearings because Wall Street looks at it and says, man, D.C., they're never going to get their act together. So you want young and competent people who know about this technology, who know about the harms that these companies perpetrate. You need people like me to get in there if we want to have a prayer at solving some of these problems. Yeah, and, and like we talked about in the first segment, uh, somewhere around 80, the last latest polls I saw, around 88% of Americans, all Americans, believe the country's headed in the wrong direction. When you have a business that's failing or going the wrong direction, what happens? Well, they usually replace leadership with younger and new ideas, fresh blood, right? That's right. And we could use a, a healthy dose of that in the U.S. Senate. You know, I'm going to get in there and uh, I'm going to beat Mark Kelly this fall. I think that's, you know, that's important. But that's not the, that's just when the work gets started. Right. I'm going to get in there and it's about showing new and bold leadership. I'm going to ally with Josh Hawley, who I think is one of our fantastic U.S. senators. He's uh, he's endorsed me in this race. Uh, my friend J.D. Vance won his primary in Ohio. He's going to be a fantastic senator. Uh, we'll work together. We'll loop in some good ones that are already there, like Rand Paul. Pretty soon there's going to be a young and dynamic America First caucus in the U.S. Senate. Uh, it's going to be a, a sight to see. I promise you that. And, and if, let's say that happens. What do you anticipate that caucus being able to accomplish the next few years? Well, we'll just uh, we'll snowball. You know, I think we'll hopefully inspire some more like-minded people, hopefully have some younger people to run in 2024 and 2026. 2028. You know, I think the Senate map is actually pretty good for Republicans this decade. There's a path to uh, 60 votes and 60 strong votes. I'm not talking about um, sort of the, the weak need Republicans like Collins and Murkowski and Romney, you know. Right. Um, sometimes they vote the right way, but gosh, when you really need them, sometimes they'll vote like Democrats, right? They'll vote for gun control or trillions in infrastructure spending or whatnot. Uh, I think, you know, we probably can't get as much done in one year as we might hope, but saving this country is not a one-year project, and we can get more done in six years, way more done in six to 12 years than people think. But it starts with a few people uh, working really hard. We're going to Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, all right, let's say you win the primary, which I believe is in August 2nd, I believe, in Arizona. That's right. And uh, you would then run against uh, Mark Kelly, Democrat, if somebody's considering voting for you versus Mark Kelly, why should they vote for you? If you think everything is going well, the country's on the right track, and you're happy with your gas prices, you're left-wing ideology in your kid's school, maybe you should consider voting for Mark Kelly. Maybe you think he's doing a good job. Actually, it turns out, nope, most people know Arizona's on the wrong track. Uh, America's on the wrong track. The Democrats in charge have failed. And when people are, are given power and responsibility and they've failed and they throw up in the southern border and they cause all this inflation and they tolerate all this crazy left-wing ideology, uh, the answer is you throw them out. Mark Kelly needs to be replaced. He votes in lockstep with the Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden, open borders agenda. And so if you don't like that, you should get rid of Mark Kelly and put someone in who's actually going to have Arizonans and Americans' best interests at heart. Yeah, I've, I've actually shared on the show more than once looking at Mark Kelly's voting record. And it's actually um, he is the one of the top two most liberal voting record senators. He's Bernie Sanders. Yeah. In the last two years. He's Bernie Sanders. He'll lie. Like at least Bernie Sanders 
You know, mm-hmm. he'll look you in the eye and tell you what he is. He's a far left socialist. He's not too ashamed to admit it. He should be too ashamed to admit it, but he'll admit it. Right. Mark Kelly votes the same way. He's just as left wing as Bernie Sanders. He's just as dangerous to this state, to this republic. Yeah. And pretend to be a moderate. And I'm not going to let him get away with that. Yeah. I've said often nobody can disagree with this. He, he votes more left, uh, more liberal than Chuck Schumer in New York. And you can't convince me Arizona is more liberal than New York. Mark Kelly's out of step with Arizona. That's why we're going to send him home. Yeah, absolutely. So we were talking about um, we've talked about you have like three major priorities. You, you talked we talked about this earlier. Uh, make America safe again. Uh, make America prosperous again. We talked about those in the previous segments. We really haven't hit on the third one, and that's make America free again. What, what does that mean? Well, you know, I think your First Amendment rights are under assault. For one thing, the left, when they don't get a court decision that they like, they just want to act like uh, petulant children, right? They want to pack the Supreme Court. And they don't want you to be able to, you know, attend a, what, what church you want. They want to lock down church because public safety, COVID. Uh, they don't want you to be able to speak freely online, for instance. They want Facebook and Twitter and the big tech complex to be able to censor you if you're expressing a conservative or a right of center perspective right so i think the first amendment is under assault the left doesn't believe in free speech anymore to them it's free speech for me but not for thee they're in favor of free speech only if they agree with your speech and i think that's a huge problem um they're coming up to the second amendment too you know with their so-called reasonable common sense gun control no actually what they clearly want is to disarm law-abiding americans and i think you only have to look to canada or Australia to see what the left really wants. They want a a population that's disarmed and unable to stand up to an increasingly uh, tyrannical government. That's what the Second Amendment is about, right? It's it's, Mm -hmm. it's about preventing government tyranny. And that's why we're not going to let them grab our guns. We're just not going to do it. Um, Fourth Amendment, search and seizure, you know, Fifth Amendment due process. The, the left doesn't care about the Bill of Rights anymore. They, they act like the Ninth and Tenth Amendments, right, which prescribe uh, the role of the federal government and, and, and give, you know, all powers not enumerated in the Constitution to the states. You know, the states have the power. The, the Constitution gives certain things to the federal government. The left pretends like that structure doesn't even exist anymore. And so I'm deadly serious about defending the Bill of Rights. Yeah, I think the biggest Supreme Court decision in my lifetime, and it's not the one most people think it is, but it was the EPA versus West Virginia, where the Supreme Court ruled that the EPA doesn't have the power basically to make laws. Congress does. And I I see dismantling of the alphabet soup uh, bureaucracy power as a result. That's right. Yeah, Congress should not be allowed to—they call it delegation. They shouldn't be allowed to delegate their duty to these unelected bureaucrats and give them the power to make law. And so, you know, it looks like the Supreme Court is pretty interested in in, in correcting this now, and it can't come soon enough because we've let these administrative agencies— and yeah. They, yeah, you can so take— uh, so much money, it's yeah. horrible. The perfect example is, you know, what look what Dr. Fauci did to our country. That's right. Yeah. And so so I know everybody's screaming, you know, and I'm very happy with, you know, protecting the the Supreme Court, protecting First Amendment rights, Second Amendment rights, taking the abortion issue back to the states where it should have been all along. But this reduction of the power of the federal bureaucracy to me is probably the biggest 
sea change in gaining our freedoms back. I think that's the biggest threat to our freedom is this federal bureaucracy. So what could you as a senator in the Senate do to maybe continue that, that, that forward progress and bring in the power back to the states and the people? Literally just do our jobs. Right. I want to get in there and, and, and do my job and legislate and provide you know, to the extent you have to have some of these agencies. It's like, Certainly. man, Congress needs to provide oversight. Congress needs to know what's going on. Congress makes the laws, not the EPA, not the ATF, not the alphabet soup. Right. And so right, right now, I think Congress has this culture of, of delegation, of abdication, really, that Congress has just thrown its hands up and decided they don't want to do the work. So I think you got to send people to D.C. who are going to hold these agencies accountable, who are going to not just hold hearings and then C-SPAN cameras get turned off and nothing happens, but actually police these agencies, curb their excesses, make them smaller, shrink their budgets, make them disciplined and responsible. Um, you know, some of that's going to be hard work, and the bureaucrats won't like it. But I don't care. We need to trim the fat. We need to do that because uh, right now it's just absolutely out of control. So what you're saying here, Blake— if you get elected, you would be our representative. You'd, you actually want to represent us, which I think a lot of new elected people have the right idea. What, what can you do? But I think they get corrupted by the swamp, if you know what I'm saying. What can you do to kind of insulate yourself from that? The first thing to realize is, you know, they will try to come for me. I know Absolutely. that DC will try to corrupt me. You know, a lot of people say it can't happen to me. That could never happen to me. And nope, that's a dangerous attitude. It absolutely can happen to you. And you have to be on guard and vigilant about it. Now, I think two primary ways that uh, people get corrupted in D.C., one is money. And sure. I'm blessed to have had a successful business career. Um, I've made my money. I don't need more money. I'm relatively insulated from that pressure. Uh, two, I, you know, married my uh, middle school sweetheart, my high school sweetheart, and I'm very happy with my, with my wonderful wife. And, you know, I think a lot of personalities who run for office male politicians especially they have problems with women mm -hmm. and that's one vector frankly that a lot of them get corrupted by uh not a, not a personal weakness of mine and you know that, that's two primary vectors we can take off the table but i know dc will try to get its hooks into me of course and i'm eyes wide open on that i'm terrified of it happening and that's why i'm going to be vigilant about it make sure it doesn't happen so i'm going to give you about 30 seconds to finish up any last thoughts like well, thank you. I appreciate uh, coming on the show. Always great to visit with you. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm getting traction. I'm a clear front runner in this Arizona U.S. Senate primary. I think because I'm just being bold and substantive on the issues. I'm speaking from the heart. It's not something that people recommend. It's easier to make a mistake if you stray from the consultant provided bullet points. But man, I'm just I see us losing this country. I see Biden and the Democrats in power, like Mark Kelly. They're just pedal to the metal on all of these destructive policies. And I'm running because 30 years from now, when my boys are my age, I want them and your kids and grandkids too to be living in a country that works, to be living in an America that we still recognize as America. I think that's still possible, but it's terrifying that right now we're not on track to achieve it. So I'm going to get in office. I will make you proud. And we're going to get back on track. It's going to be hard, but I know we can do it. That's why I'm running. And I'd appreciate everyone's vote on August 2nd. Blake, thank you for joining us. It's BlakeMasters.com. And as always, stay tuned to the Your Personal Bank Show. For more information on Your Personal Bank, feel free to contact Ference at YourPersonalBank.com. 
This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guest on this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Products and riders may have limitations and may not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Compare when considering a replacement. Dividend rates and bake line of credit rates may change. Contact yourpersonalbank.com for current rates. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.